Merry Christmas and welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing, doing good. good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excited to be here. Yeah. So got Lost Films in the house. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so how how long have you guys been making films? Uh, professionally, maybe whew, seven, eight years, but longer than that if you don't count. I, I think that's interesting what you said about like professionally because I feel like a lot of people don't count that you're learning and making stuff when you're a kid too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I started really young. I think Sam did too. How long yeah, have you guys I been started relatively young. I had a little bit of a different background coming up than Luke. I had more of a theater background, more of an acting, writing background than film and technical work. I didn't really get into that until seven or eight years ago and yeah once i started in film i've been in it ever since um so what's your guys' story with like starting all your process because you guys have made a ton of stuff i mean like shooting guard you guys were just out at a film festival doing that get it sold correct yeah we went to afm that was our first time being there actually and i can't believe we haven't done it before because it was really really valuable for us like um it was awesome though. We learned a lot and plan to go back every year from this point on. Hmm. What are, what are some things that you would like younger you to know? Go to AFM. Go to AFM. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we'd be a lot further if we actually went to AFM like a few years ago. Hmm. Cause that's what it really comes down to is like, yeah, you can make a film or whatever, but if you can't sell it, what's the point? Hmm. You're not going to make any money off of it. Yeah, and kind of going off of Luke's point with that, one thing that I learned about with Shooting Guard is just a jump from, like, short films and internet content to, like, feature films is really big because feature films are, like, profitable in a way that short content is not. And, like, that was something that really opened my eyes at AFM was seeing, like, all of these people in these companies that, Feature films are their bread and butter. There's no one here that's successful off of short films. There's no one here that's successful off of internet content. They're all, like, making feature films. And, like, I feel like that's really, really important, especially for early filmmakers and a company like Lost Films that is kind of in its early stages, more or less, like, mm -hmm. trying to grow. It's really important to just, like, I think you're better off making a feature. You're better off making a feature film than you are making five short films that you know go to festivals and kind of fizzle out it's better off to put all that effort into one big project one good project and go for the feature length because that opens up doors with distribution companies and it opens up doors with streaming companies that would not be open to short filmmakers do you have any thoughts on that as well Luke? yeah i mean I think the exact same thing, really. It's like I've done the short film thing for a long time. And even though some of those shorts have gone on to get a lot of views online or gone to festivals or whatever, it does sort of seem like it's sort of a dead end, right? You kind of hit that wall of like there's nothing else that can really be done with the film because it's not it's not like a tangible product you can really sell. Like you need that feature length to really – 
to really make something of it. Like, no one's going to go to the theater and watch a short film. No one's going to pay to watch a short film. Short films are just kind of like, really just made for other filmmakers, honestly. But a feature film is something you can actually get the general public interested in. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, I, I would say the same thing. It's that jump from shorts to features has been huge for us and really makes you realize that that's just the only way to really do this is to make feature films. And yeah, hopefully we're going to make another one next year. So I think it's interesting. You guys have that. talked about being in your infancy and you've been doing this for like seven, eight years, right? Um, yeah. Which I think a lot of people kind of forget, you know, or we think, Oh, you know, Jordan Pill, for instance, I, th I think he's a good example. Somebody's like, you know, he, he overnight, you know, but I was like, he was making films for a long time, not just with Key and Pill, but with uh, Mad TV. And I think where you guys are at, it's pretty cool seeing your transition from like, all right, we're, we got the skill set to now being like, all right, we're going to produce feature films. That's really cool to see. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I, no, yeah. that's oh, so good. No, I just, it's freaking sweet. And I, I think I had the pleasure of seeing it firsthand with how you guys work with building sets. And you guys have so much skill within the two of you that it, it's really freaking impressive. And uh, I'm excited for people to see Shooting Guard as well as, uh, you know, Milk and Cookies. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, so people, I think we'll see that set. Like you talked about having a theater background, Sam, how did that transition to film? Um, well, I guess like back when I was younger, I was really locked in. Theater is a really like really tight knit community. And when you're in that, like it's kind of all, you know, and I kind of had this consideration when I was younger that. I thought that film was a little bit cheap artistically because it's so artificial and theater is so real. Like the, mm. it's flesh and blood right there on the stage and like watching an actor's performance in real time, like watching them go through it is so thrilling. It's, it's more real than anything in film where it's all artificially constructed, artificially lit, like shot. It, it's, you know, special effects and everything. But then as I got older and I was kind of like in my college age, I, uh, I kind of re-examined that thinking and I realized that film is just because of its artificiality, it's so mass marketable and mass producible and you can reach so, so many people with film that you simply can't do with theater. And I kind of started to realize like, theater and Broadway and that kind of thing is like very much by rich people for rich people. And there's like kind of a, a pretentious nature to that side of performing. Whereas film is, you know, for the masses and film is meant to be mass marketable. Like in Hollywood, they're making movies with, they're making movies for everyone on the planet. They're making movies for international markets. They're like, it just has more reach. And once I realized that I was really, I just became more interested in it for that reason alone, because it's more profitable and the nature of the product you're selling is, you know, you're selling something that you never lose ownership of. It's one of the only things in the world that 
the person who created it still owns it after it's been sold. And that, that was really, you know, interesting to me because I could see it being very lucrative. And at the top level, it really is very lucrative. And also artistically, I found that there is no greater storytelling medium than film because it's artificial and because it's so totalarian, you can, you can put anything on the screen, you know, with enough money. And if you know how to do it, you can tell any story, but on, you know, on the boards in theater, you can't and it's, do that. It's almost every, it's almost every art form at once mm -hmm. being told through like one lens, right? Like one perspective, but it's like all these different artists coming together, working on one thing that's sort of like filtered through the movie into one cohesive vision which I think is really, really awesome. But it does take all those people to make it. You can't do it alone. You talk about that collaboration. Was there any moment or I guess any film where you're like, man, I'm doing this all by myself where you kind of realize that? I feel like me and Sam kind of go through that almost every project. Even, <laughs> even with Shooting Guard, it's like we had to build – that entire there's like a trap house set in that in that film and that was like one of the most challenging things we've ever done probably and it's still you know it's just us there making the thing like even the producer wasn't there it was just us <laughs> and i feel like that's just been a recurring theme <laughs> throughout all of our projects um but yeah i think especially shooting guard being a feature like I feel like we definitely both really felt that because it was a lot more work than we thought it was going to be mm. at the beginning. You know, when we first got the opportunity, it's like, oh yeah, this is going to be amazing. Like we can do this. And then you actually get down to it, start working on it. And you're like blown away by how much it actually is going to take. And it's, it's a lot more than we signed on for, but it's, you know, it's just a matter of getting the work done just getting to it and getting it done and that's what we did did you guys um have any influence on the script or anything like that with shooting guard yeah, yeah. i i have the screenwriter credit on shooting guard um basically the executive producer and the main actor agapi petra brought a script to me and luke and pitched us and uh I mean, it was a decent script, and I'm always happy whenever anyone, you know, gives me something to read. Like, I feel like that's... It was only 20 pages, though, at the time. Yeah, it was very short, and it was improperly formatted, and it just wasn't really enough to make a full movie of. So then I went ahead and took what they had and rewrote it and kind of adapted it for the screen, and... I added a, a fair amount of scenes that weren't in, like I added a new climax and added some other characters to kind of like fill out the runtime a little bit more. But yeah, it, in every project that I work on, uh, like in production, or at least as a producer, I definitely want to have a lot of impact on the script. Like if I don't have a writer credit, I want to have a lot of, a lot of say, and I want to go through multiple you know, renditions of notes and everything, because I think that the script is so important. It's, you, you just, 
you need everybody to be on the same page and you need everybody to kind of have the same vision for the movie and like but you also need you know a jumping off point for the talent to kind of make it their own and everybody to make it their own like the production designers and the camera people and everything like you want them to bring their own skills to it and improve upon the work that's there but the script is like that bedrock starting point that you know, if that's if that if the script isn't good, then the whole production is a house on the house on the sand. You know. Mm-hmm. Is that? So I was curious too, because with um, even milk and cookies, was there elements where you're like, "Whoa, crap! If I write this, I'm gonna have to build this." Was that scary for you? Is that exciting? What's up? I think, well, we thought we were going to film it somewhere else at a, mm-hmm. at a different house, which we wouldn't have had as much control over. So mm-hmm. I think honestly, the, the fact that we were able to shoot it at Sam's house was best because we could really like do whatever we want and go all out mm-hmm. with all the production design. We were pretty much going to be limited to a single day if we shot somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So building that fireplace and everything would have been impossible. And that really made the film better having complete control of what it looks like. So I'm, I'm glad we did end up shooting it here, but it probably wasn't something we thought of initially. We were, we were planning on just, you know, finding a nice, like a big house that just looks good. And I think a smaller house with all the production design was better for it yeah as i was just curious you talked about that trap house you guys built which is pretty amazing you guys were sleeping there correct and yep (laughs) they're like 21 like 21 hours at one point you said that was the actual shoot days themselves were 20 hours each and then we had also done those build days leading up to it that were about the same length of time as well so we were there, you know, working 20 hours and then 20 hours again the next day, 20 hours again the next day, 20 hours again the next day, back to back to back to back. Yeah. The cast was only there for two of those days, but me and Sam were there for five, except I think I, I left on the fifth day, but that was the day we tore it down, but Sam stayed and did all that. Is there like a cost analysis you guys have ever done with like what you guys did labor wise versus like a, what a company would have done? Uh, we haven't officially done that, but I know, I mean, we're getting ripped off for sure. <laughs> Cause you know, the amount of money we're making off of this is like, you know, pennies an hour. If you count every, every hour, even as minimum wage, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're making next to nothing, but we, we have to do it because if we don't do it, no one else will. And then the movie is going to suffer because of that. Yeah. So just a matter of putting in the work, making the sacrifices and hoping everything turns out the best it can. Yeah. And going off of that too, I've definitely noticed that like people need to look, people need to have faith in their leadership here. You know, like, I feel like everyone out here in Colorado, especially 
and a lot of people that share these dreams of working in this industry and the actors and the talent and everything, you know, it's a really, really, really difficult industry to cut your teeth in. It's extremely competitive. And, you know, we all are used to working for next to no money, working for free. Like, you know, these people that are going through this, I feel like they need to be able to look to the producers of the project, the director, you know, there's people in leadership positions and they really need to see those people leading by example to believe in it, you know, because at this, at this stage where we're at, the financial motivation isn't really there. If you're looking for money, there's a lot of things you can do. You're better off doing than trying to make it. You're getting into this industry for money. You're not going to, you're not going to be very happy. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. For a very long time. Yeah. The people that get into it and think, oh, it's all like Hollywood and millions of dollars and red carpets and stuff. You know, it's, it's simply not like that. It's like that for maybe 1% of the industry. So for all the rest of us, and especially the people out here in a smaller market like Colorado, who are working on it out of passion and working on it following their dreams and they're working on it for long hours for very little pay. You know, I want, I want the crew and I want the cast and I want the people, our projects to be able to look at us and be like, man, those guys are working hard and nobody believes in it more than they do. And nobody's working harder on it than them. And I feel like that's important for the morale of the production. You know, it's important to, it's important to have, the cast and the crew have that faith in the people that are putting the whole thing together. I think like you talked about the, and you hit it working on a smaller, in a smaller market. Um, that is non-union too, a lot of times too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you, if you guys worked crew on any like SAG projects or anything like that. I have, yeah, and it's it's quite a bit different. Like you have mm-hmm. to take breaks, you have to have a twelve hour turnaround time. Nothing like what we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we definitely work people quite a bit harder. And you, my experiences yeah. in L.A. Like I lived in Los Angeles for about two years when I was younger, and first kind of getting into the industry. And you know, I worked on a fair amount of big sets out there. And yeah, it's, it's extremely different and they can't get away with what we do. But I also see in some ways, I think that our business model is a little bit more time efficient. Like there's some things that we get done much quicker that would take a Hollywood set or a union set longer just because Mm -hmm. they have to take breaks and there has to be turnaround time and all those guidelines and stuff. But you know, it's. It's a give and take for and sure. Not that we don't want to get there eventually. It's just that mm-hmm. we simply don't have the budget to do it that way mm-hmm. at this time. And it's either either we do it our own way or we don't do it at all. So we're going to do it our way for right now. Mm-hmm. And that's just you know, a curious question because most people don't know how a movie's made. Um, I think a lot of people, like you touched on, see the finished product and maybe have or maybe never even think about it. Um, and you guys talked about the way you kind of do things and, you know, versus a SAG project, for instance, you're Sam, for example, pulling sometimes triple quadruple duty, producing, building a set, acting, writing, um, possibly directing stuff like that. Right. Which is something you really wouldn't see on a union set. Um, has there been a project that you're like, 
man, if I could just focus on one thing, do you think there is one thing you'd like to focus on? Oh, definitely. I mean, I just, I almost have to do the camera work for everything that I direct because no one else can do it. And I have all the gear already, but that's definitely one thing I want to do eventually is step away from the camera and just focus on directing. Mm. Um, that's just kind of something I have to do for right now, but, um, that, that would be the, the ultimate goal. I also, I do like, uh, I like producing a fair amount as well. I feel like I would definitely want to always be at least like somewhat involved on that side. Like, producer and name or whatever just to get a little bit more creative control out of the project um, but yeah I think being the DP and director at the same time is is something that yeah it does it does really split my focus which sucks um, so that that'd be the the dream right there is to not have to shoot as well <laughs> at the same time but yeah, and I'm the same way with the art and production department. I have the production designer credit on the last three or four things we've made. And uh, and I've learned a lot about doing that as I've done it, and I get better and better and better at it. But that's definitely one thing that I'd like to have have a hand in, but I don't want to have to run it. And I'd like to be able to, you know, sign that off to better people that are you know, more experienced than I am and that have more ideas. And the same with producing too. I really love producing and I want to, I want to keep pursuing that because I like having that voice in the room and I like to be able to have that control of the product that I'm being attached to. You know, it's like, it's quality control and like mm -hmm. brand. Like I want to make sure it's on brand for me and on brand for what I'm trying to do personally. Yeah. And I love having that voice in the room, but at the same time, there's also elements of producing I don't really like, like the financial elements of it and like the logistic, like line production stuff and like the, some of, some of the numbers stuff, some of the numbers stuff and the spreadsheet stuff. It would be nice to have other, again, more experienced producers, more professional people that could kind of, you know, show us the way on that because... With a lot of that, we're kind of learning as we go with the with the real business side of it, <coughs> contracts and the you know the budgeting and everything. It's like we learn we learn from our mistakes, and there are plenty of mistakes every time around. So finding some better people, more experienced people that could kind of you know not only help us work at a higher level, but kind of teach us like, oh, this is. A more effective way to do this this is how this is typically done you know it would i feel like save us a lot of it would save us a lot of learning from experience you know it would save us a lot of mistakes that is that is a tough lesson to learn i i just was thinking of somebody with the accounting who doesn't use it as much as he used to but i think is could probably be a good asset to a lot of film production companies is ben hilzer um he does have, he, he was an accountant for a long time. Mm. And, uh, I, I have learned a lot of stuff from him as well. Um, it's interesting. You talk about a whole, like if you were to talk about a whole film production company, you know, it's one of those, those things that you could start with 
you know, essentially a camera and yourself. If we're just getting down to the base basics of it, you're like, okay, what can I shoot with a camera? Maybe you could shoot weddings, football games, youth sports, stuff like that, right? And you guys obviously have scaled to a point where you're like, hey, we're going to do more feature film productions now. And, you know, we look at it even just from your labor perspective. You're like, we have the skill set able to do it. Where there's a lot of people under you who don't even have that skill set. You know, which is pretty amazing. Like, the two of you are able to do five or six, seven jobs and know you could do really well. Uh, which is really impressive, dude. So, I mean, I, that's just me. Not trying to blow smoke up, but respect it. Absolutely. Um... So I, I want to change the tune a little bit. I got a fun question for you guys, and you can think on it for a little bit. Um, what are some Christmas movies that you guys watch every year or you think other people should be checking out? Christmas Vacation. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite, too. I love mm. National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Um, uh, also love Home Alone and mm. Elf. Yeah. <clears throat> Those three. A Christmas Story. It's really good, too. That first mm -hmm. one is funny. Um, last night I watched the 1938 Christmas Carol. Loved it. Loved it. Not I had not seen it before, but it was really, really good. I mean, the, the, the sets of, like, the Dickensian London, like the snowy streets and the cobbled streets and the wagons and stuff, it, it is so cool. It, it had so much soul. Mm. That's pretty cool, man. I, I think uh, what's cool now is you guys got your own Christmas film, um, which is people should be checking out, Milk and Cookies. Um, did any of those films have an influence on this, or was this just like completely out of the blue? Uh, I mean, not really. I wouldn't say – I mean, we definitely tried to make it our own. Um there is there's a reference to Christmas Vacation in the music. You caught that at the end where Adrian says, "Holy shit, where's the Tylenol?" Little <laughs> well, Easter egg. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I wouldn't really say there was any direct influence. Um, you know, we just tried to do our own thing with it. Put the Lost Films spin on a Christmas film, so to speak. Would you guys ever make a feature-length version of A Christmas Carol? Anything's possible. Mm -hmm. The money's there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything's possible. I really had a fun time with Milk and Cookies. Like, I don't know. I, I had a great time making a Christmas film, I felt like that was like having the holiday connotation did kind of make it feel a little bit more special and a little bit more funny. And like, yeah, like I, I it was really, fun to do yeah. a comedy again too. Cause yeah. all the last things we've done have been very serious and dramatic and dark. And then this is just sort of like the complete opposite. This is just fun and lighthearted. So that was that was really cool to get back into comedy a little bit. We've done stuff before, comedic stuff before, but definitely it's been a while. Mm. But it's it's good stuff regardless. So, 
Uh, it's going to be out December 24th at uh, Lost Films on YouTube. It'll be premiering at 8 a.m., I correct? Yep. Yep. So get up early, get a Christmas present. Is there anything else you guys would like to promote or let, let the folks know about? Definitely want to keep Shooting Guard on people's radar. We hopefully will have that out on some sort of platform here fairly soon. So just keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Yeah, next year, um, expect more from Lost Films. Expect more from us. Like, we're working. We've got new ideas and new stuff in the works. And, uh, yeah, like, definitely in the coming months, expect some sort of announcement about shooting guards, some sort of distribution announcement with that. And, uh, and yeah, a new project We're we're after milk and cookies, we really have our sights set on another feature film. This was fun to do, you know, it was super low budget. It was, you know, just kind of fun, something for the fans, something for us, another credit for the resume. But next year we're going to be looking for another big production. We're going to be looking for something with some real financing behind it. And, uh, and hopefully do it bigger and better on the next one. Very cool. Where can people find you guys online? On Instagram is probably my best platform. I've got the Lost Films Instagram, just Lost Films. And then I've got my personal one is uh, just Luke Osterman. And mine is uh, at Sam the Boss Man on Instagram. Amen, amen. Well, I thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. Uh, looking forward to Milk and Cookies and Shooting Guard, man. It's going to be awesome, as well as your next project. 